Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg. It's Friday and I'm joined on the line by For the Win podcast producer, Hemel Javeri. Hemel, how are you? I'm great, Ted. How are you? I'm doing well. We had you in New York again this week. Yeah, this is, it's a rarity for me to be up to New York so often. Um, But we could have done a face-to-face podcast and you decided to go with Luke instead. So... What's what's the deal? Um, I I mean, wow, you really put me on the spot. <laughs> I I felt like you were busy. You had meetings and stuff. I, I it didn't seem like you came to New York just to do a podcast with me. Sadly, <laughs> so I figured Luke was here. You know, the U.S. Open was about to start. Golf was in the news. Let's hear his delightful Britishisms. <laughs> Believe me, if I I'm choosing if I'm choosing between you and Luke, I think you know which direction I'm going nearly every single time. But, true, true. Consi- yeah. Considering that Luke is basically your nemesis at For the Win, is that correct? Um, I, I would say I would say that if I needed something taken off a high shelf, I would probably choose Luke over you. <laughs> but in every other instance, I'm going with you. Hey, I wear heels sometimes, so That's don't true. don't Luke's discount got, me. Luke's like probably like six one, six two, right? He's a pretty tall guy. He, yeah, you I haven't to... noticed it because. Because generally when he sits, Luke has a very unique way of sitting so that it makes it almost impossible to see him like above his computer monitor. <laughs> he like lays down at his <laughs> <Yeah>. computer. <laughs> so you never realize how tall he is until he actually stands up. <laughs> right. Um, you would need awful large heels to be on Luke's eye level. True, true. Uh, um, we have questions. Okay. But I, I actually, I, should we start? Because you have a question. I do. I, I came in I came in a little hot because came I've got hot. I've got a couple of questions. We got in a um, little bit of a of a of a fight over a movie. Yeah, we did. We got into a little bit of a fight over a movie and Charles in a very dad like way shut it down and said, Save it for the podcast. So it did is Did he say podcast. that? I didn't, I didn't even hear that yeah. part. I was too busy. <laughs> yeah. I was too hot. I was too hot. Yeah, you and hot in hot in multiple ways. You were literally sweating on a New York City sidewalk and then very angry about this. Uh, I'm also just extremely hot. So, you know, like it's hot in at least three ways. At least three ways. Yeah, you're very you're very uh, attractive. Ted. So why don't we start with that one? Why don't okay. you uh, because you had two, but one of them I think we can get to via a more organic means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, someone actually asked a question about that. But you've got a question specifically for me. Yes, and I know that this is supposed to be like time for listener questions, but my question for you is, why did you hate Wonder Woman I so did much? Not, I did not hate Wonder Woman. I did not hate Wonder Woman. But it's accurate to say that you felt there were some problems with the film, and you and I disagree pretty uh, pretty bitterly on what those were. Well, okay. Well, first and foremost, and I don't know that you disagree on this one, mm, I think it, it, okay. was, it was 20 minutes too long. I think that movies, I think that this is a, a problem across movies. It's not like, oh, I can't handle watching a, a feminine superhero for an extra 20 minutes. I don't like, I don't think, I think The Godfather was an hour too long. I think, like, basically movies should be limited to two hours. That's the attention span I have. I, I, I don't know if it was, I mean, it was long. I will grant you that, but I don't know if it was, I don't know if Wonder Woman was too long because there were certain things that I would have liked to have seen, so I I was hoping for like an extended director's cut, but there actually isn't going to be an extended director's cut. Classic men, am I right? <laughs> In yeah, classic. Uh, so so and oh and and I would say like I the movie held my interest. I which mm-hmm. is my number one my number one qualification for a movie is like. Do I do I get lost in this movie where I feel like the movie is the only reality and I forget about what else is going on, mm-hmm. or am I still thinking about like all the stuff I need to do the next day, right? Because right. to me, I go to a movie, especially if I'm going to the movie theater. It's exactly. that I'm there to to like escape into it, and I would yes. say I was totally my interest was totally held by Wonder Woman, so. I would not say I hated the movie. I felt okay. that I mean that's a bare minimum for a movie though. No, yes, it, no, it there's so my... many there are so many movies that don't do that for me. Okay. And and so so I would say I would say it was a pretty good movie. Like that would mm-hmm. that would be what and uh, look I, uh, <laughs> I know you I don't want to I don't I, I, I'm a fair I'm a fairly woke bro, right? <laughs> like I I'm doing my best and I felt like that movie was maybe too woke. It felt like it was a little bit in your face 
with like, oh, we're gonna cause, and I know it's not about, it's not about, again, it's not about having Wonder Woman be the hero of the movie. I right. know what I was getting into. I went in to see Wonder Woman, right? Right. It was, well, the thing that, that got me and it, and it pulled me out of the movie mm-hmm. was when, then when they revealed that like the crazy sort of comic relief drunken guy mm-hmm. was like suffering from PTSD. And I get that that's a real thing, and that's not an issue I'm trying to dismiss, but to me, that's a different movie, and like, we had all the wokeness we needed from Wonder Woman, and I just didn't need, I didn't need that, and I didn't need the Moroccan guy having like his own, it just felt like every single aspect of that movie was catered to people being like, we want to show you like how forward thinking we are, and I think that it came, to some extent, at the cost of the movie's entertainment value, which to me should be paramount. So you basically are saying that you thought those those couple of moments were a little disingenuous and felt like shoehorned into that, an otherwise. That is exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that yeah. if that that they they it felt like, and I'm I'm not saying there's any. I, I agree with all of the the themes it engendered, right? Mm-hmm. But I felt like it was trying a little bit too hard. I 100% did not agree with you because I thought that, and and we'll I want to pivot back to this point a little bit later, but I thought that this was actually the first time in any war movie that I have seen, and to be fair, I don't watch a lot of them, um, that you had some kind of mention of PTSD, right? I watch all the Captain America Marvel movies, and those movies seem like they would be like, like all, especially the Captain America movies, right? Would be like rife with PTSD because there's some messed up stuff that happens to guys. So I appreciated that nod in both those directions well, because PTSD I think is that like it's obviously a real and horrible thing, right? Right. And but I appreciate the thing can is, be addressed no, 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 in wait, movies. Wait, wait. I appreciated the nod, right? Like I under, I completely agree with you that those characters weren't really fleshed out anyway. So to have that be the one thing that they focused on was like, this is the PTSD guy. This is the ethnic guy, you know, in world war one. Like I, I agree with that sense in that sometimes that's a, that was not the most subtle way that they could have done it. But I generally appreciated that. Not even if it was just like a little bit of a line here and a little bit of a line there to acknowledge like really straightforward. like, yep, this dude has PTSD yep, this dude is hyper aware that, you know, he is a person of color in Europe right now, which is a very hard thing to do. So I, I thought that was all good. And, and of course, I loved it. Well, and, and like, I am in a corner here because I'm a straight white dude from mm-hmm. a suburb. I, like, I can't, I can't be like, no, that was too, I'll like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's all dial it back a little bit, right? But I did point out to you accurately, I said, without, accurately. without knowing, I was like, I bet that this movie was written by a white dude. And in fact, the movie was written by three white dudes. It, so it was written saying. by three white dudes. It was written by three white dudes, and it was directed by a woman, Patty Jenkins. Um, and who did a good is, job, who did a good job. Did, mo- like yes. I said, even, even, being 20, even being 20 minutes too long, the movie held my interest. There was not, it wasn't like, I, I don't like when, another big pet peeve of mine in movies is when the director reminds you that he or she is there the whole time. Like, right. I'm making some art, here's some art, movie, I'm making movie making. <laughs> and I don't like that either. I didn't feel like that was in there at all. Again, I enjoyed the movie for slightly too long. I just thought there were a couple moments that pulled me out with their transparent wokeness. There is a weird thing that I think that Steve Trevor, uh, the you know the white guy in the movie, is he he's that's like relative hawk, the, like the hot guy. The yeah 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 guy? that's Chris Pine. Okay. okay let's okay that's Chris Pine who whose body of work I'm well familiar with. But Steve Trevor is really the only one that doesn't have any issues in the movie, right? Like, the, the straight white guy is just going to be the straight white well, guy for the entire except film. Except, except his, <laughs> main, his main issue was his own wokeness, right? Because... <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Like, I don't... I know that, like, World War One just war that needed to be fought, and, like, I get that, too. But if I'm a World War One pilot dude or spy dude or whatever he is and you just land on this paradise (laughs) island that is exclusively populated by beautiful women why are you like 
Oh, like, sorry, but, like, I just owe it to my country to get back to war. No, there's no way. You're just like, all right, I'm going to just chill here for, like, at least a year. At least a year. I mean, yeah, everybody thinks you're dead anyway, so it might be okay to take a couple of weeks off. Right? Like, if if they were like, oh, he's got a family back at home and he needs to get But There wasn't even that. There wasn't even that. He was just like, I landed on... On paradise, on like 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 hot white guy paradise, right? Which he is... was sitting on some valuable intel, so he had to, you know, get back to it. Um... Oh yeah, uh, I don't know. I just <laughs> I just don't. I just I guess I'm not that big of a patriot, right? Because if I'm that if I'm in that situation, I'm just like, all right, Wonder Woman, let's hang out. Like let's. Like, I'm, the, I'm literally <laughs> wait, and you're telling me I'm literally the first man you've ever met? Okay, yeah, let's. I'm staying here. You're like, this is amazing. <laughs> all right. I, I mean, I understand your point. I hundred, I don't agree with it at all. But we did have a very intense shouting match in on the on the sidewalks of New York City I, about I, I, this. And we should be clear that it wasn't like hostile, right? Like, no, it wasn't okay. hostile. <laughs> um, we're still we can still be friends, even if I thought Wonder Woman was trying a little too hard. Uh, we can still be friends, yes. But I'll I'll fight you on that point every time. Okay. Uh, and okay. and. I'm all like I'll see the sequel, right? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely right. I think that's the best. Uh, that's the best um, metric for success. Is like, yeah, I, I would watch. I would want to see what happens to these characters. Right. So, so yeah. that part, you know, there, I've seen worse movies, and like, I'm not someone who goes all in for for superhero movies and comic book movies all the time. Um, I like that. I was I was cool with all that. Uh, I like the movie. I just again a little too much. I will say dial it back. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. As as a straight white guy, it's a lot for you to take in and right. One, I know, just want the world. I want the world to always be presented from my perspective. Exactly. And if we're gonna stray from that, we gotta go. We gotta take baby steps. <laughs> well, we'll see what they can do in the future. I mean, this to, is not my fault. Society, society did Soci- this to me. Yeah, society did this to you and is uh, conspiring to limit the amount of power that you have. It's, it's very distressing for you. Someday, perhaps, I can show people exactly how aware I am of everyone <laughs> else's issues by writing a film like Wonder Woman. <laughs> Don't even. <laughs> uh, we got, okay. All right. Uh, we got questions from the people. Uh, we got two that are related. Um, one is from our man Charles, who mm-hmm. almost always, and who, again, is like the voice of reason on our staff, in our conversation apparently about Wonder Woman, and uh, often in, in questions for this podcast. He asks, uh, at what, when is it okay to officially bestow the, the title of Dynasty onto a sports team? And a related question, um, and this one I want to pull up who it was from. Uh, someone, I'm not going to say who, I'm not going to point fingers, but someone had to get in a fight in my mentions about, about Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and parking. <laughs> and so it's really hard to, to sort through it to find the podcast questions right now. Uh, but someone else wanted to know, oh, here, uh, Giraffe, uh, Raphael Jerez, who's, who's asked us a bunch of questions. He wants to know, how would you feel about another Cavs Warriors finals next year. So those, those I think that Charles obviously is referring to the Warriors when he asks if it's okay to call them a dynasty. I I don't think so. I think he's talking about the Penguins. Okay. Uh, how many? Yeah. How many Stanley Cups have the Penguins won in like the last few years? So they have won. Ooh, so they won two back to back. Three cups for Sidney Crosby since '08, and I think five since like the '90s. See, I would say since the '90s, you can't say is a dynasty. No, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So, do you do you want to answer this, or you want me to jump right into it? Good, go for it. Okay, so I'm all about giving women of color a voice. <laughs> You're so woke, God, Ted. Don't don't make this podcast more woke than it has to be. Um, so I I think Charles. I mean, he's you could apply obviously this question to both the Warriors win and the Penguins win. I think that the metric is a little bit different. Um, just because in hockey rosters tend to change so quickly that, and the nature of the sport is so up and down and so much has to do kind of with luck and randomness that 
in a way, like with other teams, you wouldn't say two back-to-back victories uh, count as a dynasty, right? But for the Penguins, um, I will say they are a dynasty. I think Kevin Allen also wrote about this, which is that they have managed to win three cups in and go to four finals in the Sidney Crosby era with the same core of um, star players like Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, these, but these last two cups that they've won have been with Matt Murray as their goalie. So the basics, but they've also changed coaches and stuff, right? So do you say that the dynasty is because of the players? Do you say it's just because of the team or because of the management? Um, but this current iteration of the Penguins, I would say, yes, is a dynasty. Uh, so for hockey, it's it feels like the bar is set pretty low, but that's just because it's such a high bar to but in reality, I think it's a high bar to reach. I would say, for me to say, uh, and and again, I always think in baseball terms, but I would say, like, to really be a dynasty, I would say, like, three championships in five years or, like, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Like, I don't know. Well, that, that yeah, that is hockey. That's the Penguins. Right, That's three right. championships in five years, yeah. Because um, if you're winning most of them in the course of a five-year stretch, then you're a dynasty. Um, right. But the the what's what's gumming me up a little bit is that uh, I would so the Atlanta Braves from 1991 to 2005 they mm-hmm. won their division all but one of those years and to me even though they only won world one World Series across that span that still counts as a dynasty to me that that they were basically unbeatable in the first in the NL West and then when they switched to the NL East in '94. Uh, and and so I would like I would say that there are different contexts. Uh, if you're talking about like true transcendent championship dynasties, it's got to be more championships than not. And mm-hmm. then if you're talking about something like that, like a a regular season dynasty of of sorts, then I, it, it would have to be a very high bar uh, because I think championships is all anyone really cares about in the long run. But right. winning ten straight division titles is just incredible. And so that, to me, has to count as a dynasty. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, I will backtrack on the Penguins because I think it's um, three three championships in eight years, not five years. So I think that kind of, yeah, that that might skew it a little bit. Um, But they're always good, too, right? uh, They, so when they won um, with Mike Sullivan last year, they, like, they, the Penguins fired their coach like at mid-season Mike Sullivan came on board turned the team around and then led them to the championship right so like hockey is so up and down like that that it is like that little changes and little tweaks can kind of like switch momentum very quickly for teams so there was a time when they were not consistently great okay um because the the Washington Capitals have won like the division title for you know for a long time um, but the Penguins continue to win Stanley Cups. So you wouldn't call the Capitals a dynasty? No, God, no. They right. absolutely not. Just You're not a little because... close to that one, though? You're... <laughs> Even if I'm a little close to it, I can still freely admit it is not a dynasty. Because like you said, everybody cares about championships, and they have not been able to win one. All right. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you got yeah. to be winning championships on the right. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't call – I would say the Warriors, I, and I've, I have said, I think the, this Warriors team is, is clearly – you know, statistically, by any means you can come up with, one of the best NBA teams in history. But two mm-hmm. championships, to me, two championships in three years doesn't make you a dynasty. If we talk, if you're talking about next year, then then I would say, yeah, that's a dynasty. I agree with that. I think that's fair. Um, and, and so the, the second half of that question from Giraffe, which is, would you be down for a fourth consecutive Warriors-Cavs finals? We, we talked about this a little bit last week, but my answer is a emphatic, heck yeah. Yeah, bring same it. for me. To, the, it was a little, um, I will say the payoff was, I don't know, it wasn't disappointing because it was a, some it of was those a, games felt like, yeah, it was a disappointing final, but the run up to it was so fun. I will happily take that again next year. Yeah, I mean, because for me, it's about uh, like greatness. And like I said, like the Warriors are the mm-hmm. great team. LeBron is the great player. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. And I feel like the more it, like, I feel like it's like a, it's a weird. This is a weird uh, uh, analogy, but sometimes I feel like there are jokes that 
they're not they're funny and then they become unfunny because they become played out and then they just get better after they get played like they they like they're right. going on like a little bit of a roller coaster like I, I always had this experience with like your mom jokes like your mom jokes <laughs> were funny in fifth grade and then they were not funny by eighth grade but then by like junior year of fun of college when you hadn't stopped they were funny again and so I would there, say, yeah, it's a classic joke. I would say that like Warriors Cavs, like may, maybe two years in a row, if if it weren't for the way the series played out last year, it might have been dull that it was the same two teams repeating in mm-hmm. the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- but three years in a row, it's like wow, and then now this is a whole thing. And then if it's four years in a row, it's like wow, that's really incredible, right? That right. you could have like the same two teams being the best year in year out. Uh, so if it went like six or seven years in a row, and it's not, and, uh, from what I understand about the Cavs and, and how they're structured, it probably won't happen that way, but that would be dope, I think. Yeah, I think that would be super dope. Um, the Warriors I expect to see in the finals for, for like the rest of my lifetime, apparently. And and that's the thing about, uh, I was going to say earlier to the point about dynasties, is like part of what makes that fun in sports is that there are there is some turnover year to year and so like you can look at the Braves and say like well they had Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin for the the bulk of that time and that's definitely true but a lot of that team like basically the 20 of the other spots on the roster were turning over across that spot uh, across that time and and the challenge is to keep the team competitive as you sort of you know slowly transition from from one team to another Mm mm-hmm um, all right, we got uh, more questions. Uh, one from uh, this is a, this one. Uh, this one came in late, so I'm just this is might be a little bit of a wild card, but it's a really okay. good one. Uh, and I will. This is from Susan Mitchell, Amara31, and she has she wants to know who would be the one baseball player from the past that you wish you could have in an in-depth interview. And I will expand this question to mean any athlete. Oh wait! So does the past mean like they're dead, or they're just from the no past? Longer from the past, actively playing baseball. I think it's either either one. Um, I gotta think about this. You go first. Um, for me, it's very easy, and and which is nuts that it should be that easy because because you could always also be like, well, technically Fidel Castro was a baseball player, right? No, but yeah. But uh, but if. Uh, but I, I think even if, if it includes Fidel Castro, I, the guy for me is Satchel Paige, uh, who was the, like, by many arguments, perhaps the best pitcher in baseball history, uh, a Negro League star forever, uh, and a guy who just really never stopped playing, at least throughout from, like, when he was 18 to when he was in his 60s, was just playing baseball year-round anywhere that would have him forever, uh, to the extent that not only did he finally make the, ma- you know, his his entry into the major leagues was delayed because uh, because the the leagues were segregated, and so he mm. didn't enter the majors until he was forty one. Uh, and with Page, the ages are all sort of estimates because he was never sure how old he was. Um, but by our best knowledge, he was forty one when he entered the majors in nineteen forty eight. Uh, was really good. He pitched until nineteen fifty three, and and was legitimately a really good pitcher and a really good reliever in the majors in his mid-40s. Then he came back for one game as like a publicity stunt in 1965, and he threw three shutout innings. And <laughs> um, and that's and when he's 58 years old, he threw three yeah. shutout innings in the major leagues. That's so awesome. And, and, and a big part of that was that from 1953 to 1965, he wasn't in the majors, but he was still pitching all the time. And... It mm-hmm. just seems like a fascinating guy, a fascinating life, uh, by all accounts, a fascinating quote. Like some, so many of uh, great baseball sayings and, and really like great life sayings are attributed to Satchel Paige. He has always just been a, an incredible character to me. I've just always wanted – that's just a guy I would like to talk to. He seems like he would have cool perspective and a lot to say about baseball, not to mention that he had this like – this life that you know, because those Negro League guys were barnstorming, they were playing against the greats of their t- time right. from the majors. So, pay, you know, there's rumors. No one's really sure if Page ever faced Babe Ruth, but he might have faced Babe Ruth. Uh, but and nonetheless, he he certainly faced you know tons and tons of of great ball players and played a ton of great baseball. And I mean, among other things, he would call his fielders off the field while he was pitching so he could just strike everybody out. Uh, mm-hmm. He just had a like a great, it sounds like a great sense of showmanship. Obviously, I didn't see the guy pitch, but yeah, I would like to sit down and talk to Satchel Page. I think that's a great answer. I don't know. God, this is super tough. Um, you can go with Castro. 
I don't I don't want to go with Castro. That's that's a lot of pressure and, and I don't really want to I don't think I could be super like fair in that story. That's there's a lot of politics in that one. Um I mean I always kind of come back to maybe Gordy Howe just because and this is this is a lot. I mean this is a lot sadder now. He's still alive, but he is, you know, suffering from dementia. Um but I, I think that and Gordy Howe was well known for kind of the Gordy Howe hat trick for a goal assist and a hockey fight. Um, well, and he also all, did, he also played forever, right? Yeah, and he just like also played for forever, right? So it's I'm interested about like in the longevity, but also that unique perspective on like the very beginning of um, kind of uh, like the the hockey league and the system. And he's had such a huge, huge influence on the sport that it would be kind of fascinating to sit down and just talk to him for an extended period of time. Um, all right, I buy that. I'm, yeah. I'm, anyone who plays, he played in the NHL from when he was 18 continuously until he was 42 and then kept playing and then he came back to the NHL at 51. Yeah. So that's nuts. That right. guy saw a it lot is, of hockey. Yeah, he's he's seen a ton, ton, ton of hockey. Also, he was born in 1928, right? So the way he grew up like, is incredibly different. Um, so I, I think I would probably want to sit down and talk to Gordy Howe for a huge amount of time. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I buy that. Uh, before we go on, uh, support for For the Win, the For the Win podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash FTW. That's rocketmortgage.com slash FTW. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org. Number 3030. Uh, next question comes from Adi. And Adi. This is, yeah, this is because this is this is one you wanted to get into anyway. He he wants to know how much should someone to buy pay to buy Trader Joe's? Uh, okay, so this is because Amazon paid billions, like like thirteen point four billion dollars for Whole Foods. Uh, um, I don't. Okay, my thing with this is that I generally don't go grocery shopping, but I understand that Trader Joe's is a much more uh, financially, um, what fiscally responsible place it's, to go. That's get your like groceries. the under. That's like the understatement of the year. Like, yeah, like, tra- right. Trader Joe's also sells like organic stuff and like stuff that we're. Believe, made to believe as high quality ingredients and it's like half the price of Whole Foods. Right. I, I don't know how much you would pay. I, I think that 13 point anything billion dollars for, for anything, even a large corporation buying another large corporation is just a, an amount of money that I have no frame of reference for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to go I'm, I'm just going to half it, right? I'm just going to you would pay like probably 6.7 billion dollars for Trader Joe's. I don't know. I might I might pay double. I like it. Better. You might pay double. But your point was that Whole Foods kind of sucks. I mean, my point was in 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 the few like amount of times that I have been to Whole Foods, um, there is like it's just insanely expensive, and people who shop there seem to have no concept of how insanely expensive it is. But my frame of reference, I think, is very different from other people. Like, and you might have a similar thing because you live in New York, where you kind of. I don't know where you shop and get your groceries, but like I assume it's just like local grocery stores and mm-hmm. bodegas and stuff like that. Well, my bodega shut down. It's very sad. Okay. That but, is really sad. Yeah. Uh, but where like in where we live, there are lots of um, no, they're not ethnic grocery stores, but there's a lot of like like Vietnamese markets mm-hmm. and um, like smaller chains where people go to get their food like get grocery it's not like a big chain like a giant or a Safeway or anything like that even though we like shop there but most of our produce comes from either like the local Indian store or these um 
Chinese grocery stores where it's a lot of like, I guess you could call it ethnic food, but I hate calling it that. But a lot of like ingredients that you just wouldn't find in Western markets. So that's where a lot of our food comes from. And it's all it's much more reasonably priced. And the quality, I think, is just as good versus going to like a Whole Foods where you have to pay $10 for one cucumber. Um, and it's I mean, it's just like it's mind boggling how huge that difference is. So a Whole Foods opened up in my neighborhood like uh, probably about a year and a half ago now. And I think I've been in there twice total. Like I was like kind of a little bit psyched for it when it opened because like, hey, new options. Yeah, but right. uh, I don't again, it's it's super expensive. Um, I think that there's like I, I could make a case for like they have like prepared ish meals like almost like like half prepared meals where you just have to pop them in the oven or just whatever like just just heat them up and they're good right. and, and like those things maybe you can make a case that it's like a financially responsible thing to do because i'm cooking that usually you buy ingredients you don't need stuff like that um but the biggest effect the whole foods opening has had on my life is that it has cut into some of the crowds at the better supermarket that's right around the corner, which is where we continue to shop. Uh, mostly to me, I mean, in addition to the absurd prices, I don't really like the experience of shopping at Whole Foods because they do it, um, and there's, I, I understand the logic in this, but mm -hmm. they sort of force you through the whole store, like on a path, um, like almost like a shopping mall or something, where it's like to get that one thing you need, you have to walk past like 30 things you don't need. And I don't, I don't want that. Like I, I want to have a targeted grocery shopping experience where it's like, okay, I know I need milk and yogurt and cheese and meat and bread. And I know where those five things are. Those are the five places I'm going. And, and so in Whole Foods, it's like, okay, I put to get to the milk, I know I need to walk by like the ice cream and the, and the organic chips and the different thing, you know, and, and that frustrates me because I wind up spending a lot more money. I, well, that's one of the main reasons that I don't go grocery shopping. I mean, a lot of it has to do with division of labor in my house, right? Like my sister handles all of it, but the few times that she does ask me to go, I find it so overwhelming and it gives me so much anxiety that it's just like a deeply, deeply unpleasant experience just because there is so much stuff that it takes me forever to find what I need and and it's not just Whole Foods, right? It, it's it's pretty much every single store. You kind of have to go run through this gauntlet um, before you can actually make it out of the store with like milk or like I have to go to the store later today to buy lettuce so that I can make tacos, and that's already giving me anxiety. Yeah, I mean, it's like so there's, it's just, I mean, especially with Whole Foods though, I know that to add to that anxiety is that the prices are going to be so outrageous. Is that you're you're basically, I feel like you're getting scammed and you're just going to, and everybody is like fully buying into that scam. It feels a little like, I would say there's the comp to me would be like Urban Outfitters where it's like, well, okay, like they're like curating this selection for you, but you're paying twice as much for stuff you can find elsewhere. Right. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I guess the appeal of Whole Foods is that people think that it's better for you some way. I mean, there's most of the stuff is organic or they have a huge selection of organic stuff and they have a huge selection of healthy options. I think that's true. Okay. I mean, I think that's true. But I also think that a lot of organic stuff is kind of BS. Like oh, you definitely. Gotta, you, you know what I mean? Like you kind of really have to be a smart consumer to see what organic stuff is actually worth your worth buying. That's absolutely true. And I'm not yeah. a smart, I'm not a smart consumer, nor do I purchase like exclusively organic food. Uh, you know, but like, I, I think that uh, to me, a lot of it is like, if I can tell the difference, like I, I can tend to like, if it, like, I feel like with produce, especially like sometimes mm -hmm. organic produce just tastes better. And if, if it, if it tastes better to me, then like, then that probably feels like it's probably good. But yeah, that's, that, that's and, worth it. And again, you don't know how much of it is just like psychological and just like, oh, I bought an organic apple. It's way better than a regular <laughs> apple. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, all right. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a Whole Foods shopper. So if you're looking to yell at me about that, you, you're barking up the wrong tree. I, I'm, I'm not looking to yell. I, I am not. I've already yelled at you once today, so I'm not yeah. looking to yell at you again about shopping at Whole Foods because I, I pretty much assumed that you were not a Whole Foods guy. No. Um, but there are a lot of people out there, people who I am friends with, who are Whole Foods people, and it tends to it to me is mind-boggling. Yeah, it's I, I would like to pour one out for my bodega. 
Uh, I was just actually discussing this last night with my wife when we got home because the bodega on my corner was amazing. It had so many different things I might want at so many different times. There was never like a really clear uh, idea of when it was open and closed, but it was mostly open. And mm-hmm. uh, like last night, we, I, my wife and I went to the Mets game and we came home at 11 p.m. And I was like, oh, like I want a little bit of food, but I don't want to like order from a restaurant now. Right. And if that bodega was open on the corner, uh, we could just go in there and I could get something, but now the bodega is gone, and I think it's because of the Second Avenue subway, which is like an amazing thing for me. But the the downside of it is that it has upped the rent so much in our neighborhood that a bunch of cool stores, or at least very useful stores, are sort of going uh, out of business. I got it. I got it. Uh, um, so that's a, that's unfortunate. That is a shame. Um, we had a question from. Uh, we have a question from Luke. The Luke. Luke. Yeah, he wants to know, what is the worst sport? Yeah. I, I replied back very quickly, and I told him it was golf, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't love golf. I just, I don't love golf at all. I understand why people, well, I don't even, I barely understand why people like, I can see why people would enjoy playing it, but I, for the life of me, cannot see why anybody would enjoy watching golf. Yeah, um, I think that's where I'm at with golf. Because if yeah. I go play golf, I enjoy myself. Uh, I don't. It doesn't happen very much, and I'm horrible at it. But right. I do have. You are outside and walking around. And you get to hit, yeah. hit the ball, but and you get to hit the ball. That's kind of cool. Right. I love mini golf. <laughs> uh, what's your What's your take? What's my worst? I don't know. See, to me though, all the worst sports and and like, to me they're contests. But I, in terms of like watching, I just never find any. Like unless it's Usain Bolt and he's and you're like watching history happen, I just don't find races compelling in really any sport because one thing happens, right? One person goes Wait, faster than the other right. people. Right, but but that doesn't make it the worst sport. Just because I'm, you don't like watching it doesn't make it the worst so, sport. So so, uh, I guess like it doesn't to make me. It- yeah, golf to me is just the worst sport because it's just one. I mean, you're competing against other players, right? But it's just incredibly tedious. It doesn't really require a lot of like athletic prowess. It just requires good hand-eye coordination, as far as I'm concerned, which could be applied to a lot of things. Um, so to me, it's not a great sport, like by any means. Versus just I don't really enjoy watching it on TV because I don't find it compelling. Um, like so racing and stuff is amazing because those people have to work really, really hard. So that's a pretty cool sport. Yeah, I don't. You know, I, I, I guess. I, but I'm just, I'm just trying to think of like from the aesthetic enjoyment of it. There doesn't seem like mm-hmm. I would rather. I like trying to like sort of figure out the strategy and figure out what's impressive and like the nuances and stuff like that. And to me, that just doesn't have any of those things. It's just like go as fast as you can, right? Yeah, but that's pretty amazing. It's because, definitely amazing. I'm not yeah. taking anything and away from how And to me, it's very exciting to, to see people go very fast. I think the other thing I would I would maybe say is golf and then maybe NASCAR. Like, that, I, I have no – I do not understand the appeal at all for, for NASCAR. I get As, that. I, for yeah, watching I, it or even trying to do it. I'm just like, I don't even know if that's really – I mean, I guess it's a sport, but I got barely. Another, I got another good entry, and this – does not line up with what you might guess about me, but I went to a rodeo one time at Ooh. Madison Square Garden. That is a dumb sport. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it's, it was a bull riding thing, and the the whole is, thing is that even a sport? Yeah, that's a, I think it's a sport. I mean, that's a rodeo. Yeah. In parts yeah. there are parts of the country, rodeo is huge. Yeah, um, okay. And there's and there's different aspects to rodeo because there's like roping is also a different type of rodeo that seems like there's a little more uh, and and I'm not again it's like obviously you see the way these guys get thrown around and mm-hmm. how hard they work to stay on the bull it's super mm-hmm. impressive I couldn't do that I would be terrified and like the core strength on these guys is obviously incredible I'm not do, I'm not saying they're not incredible athletes but the whole thing is you just have to stay on for eight seconds and that's and then it just ends right like I. 
I guess, I, and I, there are particulars about this because I've asked this question publicly before and people are like, well, actually, this is the real reason this is the case about rodeo. I don't know what it is. I think that the, the bull tires out. But like it's just like, oh, well, another guy made eight seconds. Another guy made eight seconds. This guy didn't make yeah. eight seconds. This guy did. And to me, that I don't know. It's kind of, I feel bad for the bull, naturally. Um, I find myself in all man versus animal sports, I always kind of find myself rooting for the animal. I and, always, yeah. Root uh, for the animal. And in that one, it was just like, okay, here comes another guy. He's on another bull. He's waiting. Can he make eight seconds? No. Okay, here's an, and it was just the same thing over and over again. So I found that kind of dull. I agree with you. I think that I hadn't even thought about that as being a sport but if it is a sport it is it is definitely one of the worst sports because it agree yeah again i'm rooting for the animal like you you shouldn't be doing that don't don't do that to the bull yeah yeah i mean well it's like just, i think bull fighting is worse because they kill the bull right right yeah uh, that well okay well, but i would rather watch that okay i, would I understand ra- that there are parts of the country that think that's a sport, but I 100% would not consider that a we sport. Don't have a, there's not a lot of bullfighting here, right? Well, not, I, I mean, sorry, I mean in other countries, not this okay. part of the country. I would rather Our watch, country. I would rather watch bullfighting than rodeo. Oh my God, you would rather, you would rather watch them kill an actual bull. I think it would be, I, I don't know. I think it would be I, you're, more interesting oh God, to watch. I think it would such, be more interesting to watch. You're on such thin ice right now. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, getting do you know yell how, at you? Do you know how many animals I eat? Like, do like if I, I've I've got to be okay with with people that's, killing animals, right? Like, I just well, that's so a, but much you're meat. okay, but there's a difference, all right? Definitely, with, you're definitely. okay with like people killing animals for sport. Do you think? That so would the, you rather just watch hunting? Like, would you rather just watch hunting? No, I don't want to watch hunting. Um, I mean, hunting's different, uh, at least in different cases, because like in uh, hunting, I mean, to some extent, we need hunting, right? Like, especially in the Northeast. We have way too many deer. What? Wait, deer, that's okay. You're you're getting off topic. Like you're getting off topic because this is about you thinking that it's okay to watch a bullfight. Like, I haven't done it. Spain. I haven't done it. I just. Well, yeah, it's a cultural experience, right? Like, no. I would just, no. Nope. No. Uh, no. Uh, no. It's not. I mean, to me, it's just like if you want to stand outside and protest, that's okay. But like, it's so indefensibly cruel that there is no part of you that should support that. I don't know. I. I mean, what if the bull wins? Still not great for the bull because they do all kinds of really terrible, terrible things to the bull. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I imagine if I went in and I actually watched it, I would leave feeling a little bit squeamish about the whole enterprise. But I would check it out. I'm not going to lie. I would check it out. I would check it out. I would just want to see what that's like. And the guys wear ridiculous costumes. It's like a very silly, like, macho culture to it. Oh, my God. I I, I don't think you can say that they wear ridiculous costumes because for those people that's like a part of their tradition and i think you just insulted like all of space so i am defending <laughs> so bull, you're, bull fighting you are and... so unwoke white guy right now <laughs> no i mean yeah you're right whatever I don't, whatever whatever i'm being honest i would check out a bullfight right I'm gonna be all right that's fine I mean, if i was no running, but I was I, running... this is a wonderful way to tie it back into our earlier conversation about you don't like stuff that's too woke so if i'm I sorry was... for if I was writing a movie, if I was writing, if I was writing Wonder Man, Wonder Woman two, I might include a scene about how how cruel bullfighting is. <laughs> but as me, real life Ted, if I am in some place where there's bullfighting and I have an opportunity to go check it out, I'd probably check it out. All right. Well, you and I should never vacation together. Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, most of my vacations are like very meat oriented, so you wouldn't <laughs> like that anyway. Um, who wins in a fight? This is from E.G. Schofield. That's not his real name. I've met this guy in real life. Uh, he, he, he wants to know who wins in a fight, Matt Harvey or a bag of yams. Oh, my God. Uh, a bag of yams. Uh, poor Matt Harvey. Is, <laughs> a bag of yams easily even, wins. I don't even have an answer. I, Just because Matt Harvey's, I feel, oh, uh, he's, I have so many things to say about it, but I, I kind of want to let you go first. I don't, I don't really have... I don't have all that much to say about it. I mean, I, I, he's a hard guy to feel bad for, and yeah. he's sort of carved his way as a hard guy to feel bad for because yep. he so, uh, he so swallowed up and enjoyed the spotlight when he had it and when he was dominant. But I am, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm 
I've seen, I feel like he is to some extent the victim of like the New York sports culture, which is like build up the hero, tear him down. And he's certainly been torn down. And now at this point, it would just feel like piling on. He's been bad for two years. He's been hurt all the time. And like shoulder injuries aren't pitchers are. So, I mean, as of yesterday, as of Thursday, the Mets announced that he had a a stress reaction in his shoulder and he needs some Mm -hmm. time on the disabled list. Uh, This is after he had shoulder surgery to end last year uh, and after he already missed a full year of of his career due to Tommy John surgery. Uh, I just feel like I, I don't uh, – and, like, he's acted derpy at times, right? He said some dumb stuff. He's done yeah. some dumb stuff. There's no doubt, right? And there are people who are far more deservant of pity than Matt Harvey, but I still don't want to just pile on the guy. It's it, Pitching is hard. If you hurt your shoulder, you're screwed. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I So I agree with you on that sense that Matt Harvey is a bad guy to feel – um, he's not an easy guy to feel sorry for, and you kind of don't want to pile on because he has been through the ringer. But one of the things we talked about last week was um, athletes that you that you root for, right? Like guys who, when they are down, because of the way they handled themselves when they were at the top, you still have a lot of goodwill towards. And I feel that whatever Matt Harvey had, he really squandered, right? So he that's why he's in the position that he's in. And I don't think the media in this sense really has a lot to do with it. He very much went along for the ride and indicated that that's what he was here for, right? Like, he wanted all of the good things that came with being a superstar pitcher in a city like New York. Um, but once that spotlight has gone away, I don't. I it's hard for me to feel bad for him, but it's also I don't really think that he handled himself really great. Do you know what I mean? When everything was going so well for him, right? He was not, and it's not even just that he said some derpy stuff. Like you always felt that it was always way more about him than it's been about the team. Right. And I think that the media sometimes blows up instances, but in this case, I, I think that it was warranted, right? Like, like he didn't show up for practice because he was too hungover because his girlfriend dumped him. Like, I mean, that's, that kind, is, that's kind of sad though. I, but with the amount of money that he's like, if you did that, then I'd be like, yeah. All right, well, Ted's Ted's going through some stuff. I mean, if my if my wife if my wife dumped me, I would miss more than one day of work. I can promise exactly you that. right. And and I feel kind of bad for him, but he, I and the thing is that he lied about it, like, and he got caught. That is what uh, is it. it's not the so, best. You I know what know. I mean? Like, it, it's so it would have been so easy to just be like. I don't know. Can you just pick up the phone and be like, I went out and got trashed and now I'm hung over. But uh, we don't know the extent to which that's what happened. Like, I, okay. don't, I don't know what happened. And I would say, like, if I'm going to be on the side. I will side, say that is speculation. You're right. If I'm going to be on the side of athletes being more interesting and having more interesting lives and, like, baseball players being superstars and in the, in the traditional sense of the term, then you've got to be a little patient with someone like Matt Harvey who maybe, you know, jumps a little bit too far into that pool or whatever it is. Because and, and but we were. Everybody loved Matt. Matt Harvey. Do I you know. know what I mean? I, yeah, I don't know. And, and but like, the, I, how do you handle it if you've cut yourself? If you're like, now I'm the I'm the Dark Knight. Now I'm, and you're embracing all of this stuff, and then things start to go awry. How do you handle that? Like, that's not an easy thing. No, it's not an easy thing. But I think that my my big thing is that he was to me never really likable, even when things were going very well. Right? See, he was yeah. just like that. That is that is why I don't really root for him, like root for him anymore not so much that i you're right i don't want to pile on because i feel bad for the dude that he has all these like different ailments but again it's hard to have sympathy for him just because of the way he acted while everything was going so great right like we talk about david right as he's david is like but david is an unfair standard to hold literally I'm, anyone in the world he's to. like a perfect human being yeah. um but i mean and again i go back to hockey players right is that it's the same thing with hockey players when it really is about how they conduct themselves when they're doing so great that will make you have a lot of empathy or sympathy for them when they eventually start to decline. And maybe Matt Harvey like peaked very quickly and is on his way bottom and you can hope that he makes it back to the top. Um, but yeah, I'm going with the baggy yams on this one. Oof. Uh, Sorry, Matt. I mean, right now I don't even need, I mean, honestly, I don't even know if you can lift a bag of yams, but <laughs> oh, I think, guy. I don't know. I'm Like I said, like, uh, so, and, and this might be, I think I'm biased in this one because mm-hmm. I, I happened to be 
the first person to interview Matt Harvey at his first spring training. And wow, that I, is an ultimate Tedding. I, I interviewed him when he was in AA, and I interviewed him when he was in AAA, and so I sort of watched this guy sort of go from, I mean, he, he doesn't have the same background as every baseball player. He's from, like, a, a pretty nice town in Connecticut, and uh, he went to UNC, and he sort of had, like, tons of, obviously, a good-looking guy, always been great mm-hmm. at baseball. Like, he's a guy who's had a lot of advantages in life, and in some cases, I think that uh, probably led him, and that's not, that's not a good thing to excuse, right? But like when he's like, right. I want to go to the parties where everybody only wears white, and I want to right. chew the smoothest tobacco, and all the <laughs> dumb things he has said at different times, I always just kind of feel, you know, some 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 sort of empathy or sympathy for the guy because. I will tell you, like, he, he definitely worked really hard to be a really good baseball player. Like, there's no doubt about that. It's not like this right. is just pure talent and, and everything else has been, like, parties and, and models and all that. He I, I he worked hard, like it's and he still works hard, I'm sure. Um, and I, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like, you know, when, when someone, when you spend, when someone spends the first 25 years of their life just hearing how great they are at everything and, and everyone just sort of kissing their ass, then, of course, it's going to look ugly when things turn bad. I I mean, you're making me feel a little bit more sympathetic. Well, you could him, say the same thing. You, did... you could say the same thing about Jared Kushner, but right? Did... So... No, don't. Oh, my God. Let's not even get into that one because that's going to lose us a lot of listeners. Right. Um, I... But what you said right now is just that, like, that entitlement, like, again... There is definitely a sense of entitlement. Yeah, that's the the thing that I keep coming back to, where I think that whether his background, even though he did work very hard, there was still a sense of entitlement of, I'm going to be, you know, this is my future, and this is what I am entitled to as the perks of being in this position. Um, So, yeah, I I don't have a lot of... I feel bad. I do feel kind of bad for the guy, but I'm not sure that it extends past. Uh, he's kind of a flame out. Uh, yeah. I mean, he. I would be very surprised if he is ever as good as he was just a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. So yeah. Um, and so I guess on that depressing note, we should wrap up. <laughs> I think so. That's a good way to end it. You can check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. Rate us, review us, follow us in all formats. We appreciate it. Hemel is on F, is writing at fdw.usatoday.com. As am I. You are on the Twitter. Are you? What is your Twitter handle? It's just uh, Hem Javeri. Hem Javeri. Yep. And I am at OG Tedberg, of course. Uh, Hemel, thank you as always for fighting with me about sports and movies on in this format. Absolutely. I look forward to our next not-so-woke discussion. Peace out.